That was the kingdom of God in operation. The gospel of the kingdom. It's amazing how Charlene's prayer cooperated with the will of God. God didn't cooperate with Charlene. Charlene cooperated with God. There's a difference. I'm just reminded of that verse in Psalm 103. It says, he's established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. The power of prayer. It's amazing how the Lord sets things up to make a point. Um, I know sometimes us preachers can be very theological and philosophical and all that stuff, and I'm going to be like that this morning, because <laughs> that's just who I am. Um, however, he throws in these actual, real experiences to actually verify what we say. <laughs> <laughs> And that's awesome. God calls into existence what needs to happen. So God used Charlene to call into existence what needs to happen with her grandpa. It wasn't Charlene's will. It was God's will. It wasn't Charlene's idea. It was God's idea. It wasn't your plan. It was his plan. And you carried his plan for how many years? Yeah. God is relentless. He's always pursuing. He's always coming. He's always influencing us. So God calls into existence what needs to happen. Um, and the only reason why all of it happened the way it did, because God is ruling. He knew... He knew exactly what was going to happen. Charlene didn't, but God did. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we put too much on ourselves. That actually belongs to God. We're not sovereign, we're not all-powerful, but he is. And he established his throne from where he rules, and he rules all. And so... Just to carry on with the Lord's Prayer, um, just I'm going to just rehearse a little bit what I did last Sunday. Um, the Father from heaven, through the Holy Spirit, I always like to do this because sometimes we miss the Father in the whole circumstances. And sometimes we impose ourselves where the Father should actually be exemplified. And I'm going to say this, because the prayer leads that way. He says, he, he says to the Holy Spirit, you tell Jesus to tell those disciples, I want you to pray after this manner is how I want you to communicate with me. This is not religion. This is not some formalism. This is actual reality of the Father saying, I want all my children to talk to me in this way, and I'm commanding them to talk to me this way. This, the whole prayer is in the imperative mood, which is a command. So 
we live under the command of prayer. I'm commanding you to pray like this. Um, I don't know about you, but I noticed that my children, when I gave a command, they knew what I meant, what to do, and when to do it, and how to do it. So to me, the imperative mood removes the doubt. And I think God wants to remove the doubt of our mind that he actually is communicating with us. And this is how it's going to work. Um, so in this manner, therefore, pray. And don't be like those other people who have a lot of words, but there's no real communication. Do you ever talk to somebody like that? Some people just talk, 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 talk. You know, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sometimes with my wife, she starts, she starts... <laughs> Halfway through, she starts halfway through the story without mentioning names, and she's telling me the story. I said, well, who are you talking about? It's like, it's, it's actually quite hilarious. And sometimes I'm saying something to her, and she says, I don't get what you're saying. Then I have to say, well, let me say it again. But anyway, the Father from heaven desires a heavenly communication with his sons and daughters. Um, so he's, I want you to pray this way. He says, our father, which means there is no superior or inferior in his family. I'm all of your father. Nobody is better or worse than anybody else. And as a father, I don't know about you, but I recognized that my kids had different personalities and I had to relate to them in a different way because they're different. He realizes our differences. He realizes our strengths, our weaknesses. He, re he recognizes our vulnerabilities and our, and our abilities. Um, so, so to me, our means all of us. God is inclusive. The other thing that I find very interesting is that he's trying to create unity among the disciples that he's their father. And nobody is superior or inferior because they're, well, who's going to sit in your right hand? And who's gonna do this? Uh, well, that, that particular prayer just kind of eliminates that kind of stuff. No, I'm everybody's dad. I'm everybody's father. And so there's an equality there that I think creates a relationship this way, but also a relationship this way. I remember when I was, as I was, we were worshiping, the Lord reminded me of my life when I was still in school. And it was harvest time. And we had this great big self-propelled combine. And I'm a kid. And uh, I watched my dad, how he operated that combine. And dad slept in one morning, and I said to my oldest brother, I said, hey, Pete, let's go combine. Oh, no, he says, I said, yeah, you can do it. He was older than I was. You can do it, Pete. I convinced him. So we went out, and he climbed on the combine, he started it up, and I'm standing on the ladder with a big <laughs> smile on my face, and we're combining. Dad drives out into the field. 
I wasn't afraid of dad at that point. <laughs> but when we stopped the combine, I kind of wondered what he was going to say. He says, well, let me check the sieve to make sure that the grain isn't getting blown out the back. So, fine. He said, just carry on. I learned by watching my father. I convinced my brother he could do it, and I rode with him. Amen. I look back and I think, you are an arrogant kid. <laughs> but that actually happened. And, and I believe the Lord is saying to me, you know, I, I'm just telling you how to do this. So just do it. Tell others they can do it. So our father, I don't know why he didn't say our Elohim or Jehovah or whatever. He said our father. Every name that has been revealed about God is in the father. It's in the Father. And to, to transition from Father to Son to Holy Spirit, Jesus in Matthew says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Who gave it to him? The Father. And at my name... Every knee will bow, the name of Jesus. So all who, all who God is and all the names that represents is all culminated in the name of Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, 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 Elohim, all find its fulfillment and power and results in Jesus. That, my, my friends, is this. That is because of the complete work of the cross. Everything that the Father, everything that the Father represented, everything that he is, was revealed at the cross. So Jesus says, oh, I give you my peace. Oh, Jehovah Shalom. So when we say Heavenly Father, we're actually appropriating his authority and who he is. And he responds in appropriation, meaning he annexes the situation. He takes over the situation. Was that a dead spot? He actually, the word appropriation is to annex something. Russia annexed Crimea. They took it over. They sovereignly took it over. When you, when you come to the Father and you say, Father, he immediately, you immediately appropriate who he is and all that he can do. 
And then he appropriate, and then he moves into appropriation, and he comes in and he actually sovereignly takes over. Our Father, if we were to say that this morning, here together, our Father, all of us would appropriate who he is. What he has said, what his pleasure is, and what his will is. So the introduction, our Father, is corporate, it's unity, it's oneness, and it's appropriation. Hallowed be your name is actually referring to God as holy, sanctified, and purified. And there's two parts of sanctification, I mean of, of um, holiness. There's the complete pureness of it, but also totally set apart to something. And so when you say hallowed or holy is your name, what you're saying is your name is totally set apart to who you are. Not first of all to who I am or what I want. First of all to who he is. He is set apart in the heavens. He has established his throne and his kingdom rules over. He is set apart for your favor, your salvation, your well-being. He is. And when we say Father, we appropriate that. We actually draw on who he is. Hallowed be your name. Father, you are holy. There is no impurity in you. There is no bias in you. You're totally set apart for my success and my salvation. That's why it worked. What God has set aside to will never fail. Am I making any sense? So we got to his name, but we missed heaven. Heaven is the eternal state of God where nothing deteriorates, fails, withers away, or passes away, or is forgotten. Amen. Nothing. It is in the eternal state that he sits there with his authority, waiting for you and I to say, Father. He wants us to know he's in heaven, where everything is eternal, not temporal. But the eternal is to impact the temporal and cause the temporal to realize the eternal. That's right. 
You know, sometimes our minds interfere with God. Sometimes our theology interferes with God. Sometimes our stupidity interferes with God, too. And sometimes our human wisdom interferes with God. Because somehow, somehow, we don't see him in every situation. We see ourselves. We feel ourselves. We know ourselves. We, well, I mean, we're so orientated with who we are and our failures and our weaknesses, and it interferes with him. And so he's saying to these disciples who wanted to know who was going to sit on the right and who on the left, listen, I'm your father. Stop it. And so it's just amazing. He says, this is, I want, to, I want to communicate with you. And please don't be religious. I don't think he likes religion. <coughs> oh, God. I went to a Romanian funeral and everything, like the, the preacher just sang. It was just empty, empty words. He who was in the grave will raise you from the dead. Well, that was his prayer. But just in case you failed, the priest has the authority to forgive you. That's. And they sit there in absolute hopelessness based on the priest. What a sham to the sovereign, holy God who set aside to save souls. It's stupid. Gee, I never thought I'd be saying these things. I'll blame the Holy Spirit, I guess. It's, it's holiness to actually acknowledge what he's set apart to. See, holiness unto the Lord meant you're totally separated from my pleasure, my glory, my purpose, and my results. That's what holiness is. Why do you think they call him Holy Spirit? Why not just spirit? Well, because I think God wants us to know that the spirit is totally and wholly set apart to the purpose and the will of God and its results. Wow. He's totally pure, separated from the profane, and dedicated to what is totally holy and right. So, see, I'm going to get off track. <laughs> 34 times the word Elohim appears in Genesis chapter 1. Jehovah Elohim appears in the second verse of chapter 2, the first appearance of Jehovah. Elohim is the sovereign power, almighty God. 
And the revelation of, you know what? I decided to create the heavens and the earth and man, and I never asked you a question about it. That's sovereignty. What I have done had nothing to do with you or me. But the father would say, listen, this is my idea, not yours. So come to me, because when you come to me, you'll come to my ideas. You will come to my plan. You will come to my will. You will come to my sovereign provision. And some preachers don't like the sovereignty of God because they say then people don't live responsibly. Because it's all just the sovereignty of God. Well, I'll tell you what, without the sovereignty of God, you wouldn't be here. There would be no world. Then there's Jehovah who is righteous, pure. And so he's the other side. And guess what the devil did in the garden? He only used the word Elohim. He didn't use the word Jehovah. He didn't use both of them because he knew one would prick the conscience. So he used Elohim, meaning, you know, the, the day you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like him. You're going to be sovereign, powerful, bump, bump, bump. They bought into a lie. And there's some people that buy into a lie today to think that somehow they're God. Gee, well, this has got nothing to do with prayer. <laughs> then he says, holiness actually is the meaning of wholehearted dedication to a purpose and a will. His name there is blessing and comfort and great in the great name of God, signifying supreme power, authority, and glory. And that was the temptation. So, hallowed be your name. And then he gets into this. He says, your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. You cannot have the rule of God without the will. You cannot have the will without the rule of God. God is not, well, let me see, I'll come and rule, but it'll be according to your will. <laughs> now, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. What the Father is saying, I am totally set apart, and I'm all of your Father. I'm, I'm a Father to everybody here, and I'm totally set apart for my rulership to come and be among you all. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth. I am set apart to have heaven come and manifest on earth. I want heaven's peace to be in your heart. I want righteousness from heaven to be who you are. I want what I have paid the price for 
I want that to be your reality. So your kingdom come, meaning this. I've studied a bit on the kingdom, and it's amazing what some people do with it. But the kingdom means the rule and reign of a king. The authority of the king. So when he's saying, ask for my authority to come. Open yourself up to who I am. And let me come and rule and reign. And what, when we do that, you know what we do? We put ourselves in the position of the Father's authority in our situation. Not my authority. All authority is given to Jesus. And he said, go therefore. Well, why? Because I have all the authority, therefore I'm commissioning you can go in my authority and carry out the Father's will. And at my name, if you ask, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one out there, and I know a whole bunch of scrambled minds are going to go, <laughs> I just know it because we're human. He says, anything you ask in my name, he'll do it. Anything? Well, that's what it says. Don't try to change anything to just something. Oh, I know, we can get into here and there. Oh, gee, I heard so much of it. You, you know, we just can't believe what the scripture just plainly says. We have to somehow interfere with God. I guess I got to burn my craw this morning. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> but I think the father is, is waiting for his children to come and say, you know what? You're holy. You're totally set apart to my failure. Well, you're asking God for that? You know, I was kind of blown away the other day. I was reading the scripture verses, and Jesus said to the disciples, I'll throw another one out that'll scramble some minds. He says, uh, you're going to have houses and lands. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought they were just poor paupers. Well, God wouldn't want you to have more than one home. Really? Well, that's not what Jesus said. And because people abuse scripture, we knock out subjects. Boom, boom, I can't, no, no, no they abuse that over there. They abuse it. That, that's wrong. No, it's not wrong. Scripture's always right. And sovereign God up there sees the people who abuse scripture, but it doesn't change his mind about the truth of what he has for you. I remember the whole issue about the kingdom, discipleship. And, and I, I, I remember just being new in the, in the ministry, and I walked, I stood up and I said, kingdom, and kingdom. The other one, oh, discipleship, it's a bad thing. Did you hear what they did? So they throw out the whole subject. Like God doesn't mean what he says. No, he's totally set apart to what he said, and he's going to have what he said. It just takes some people to actually believe it and do it right. 
So when you say kingdom come, you're going to ask come and God to come and rule in your situation. Well, and he, here's, gee. Here's what happens. Well, I don't know if it's the will of God to heal you. Really. Eternal things are not eternal. No, no kidding. Did he speak from eternity about healing? Then it's an eternal word. It can't change. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, it's for you, but sorry. That's so stupid. We got all these views. <laughs> I, you know, I got so sick of listening to them. I just went back to the Bible. <laughs> and what he says is what I believe. I don't care if it fits anybody's view or not. I really don't. Because he said, I want you to ask me to come and rule. Well, then we have to accept how he rules. I mean, I mean he knocked Paul off his donkey. Boom! Blinded him. Oh, must have been the devil. Well, the rule of God knew what he had to do to Paul to get his attention, and he got his attention. He used a two-by-four. Knocked him off his donkey. Blinded him. So he become dependent on the prophet that God would send him. <laughs> I mean, if that happened today, we say, oh, the devil did it. You mean God knocked you off your donkey? <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, that doesn't make any theological sense. He's not like that. <laughs> no kidding. I'm at, I, I just shake my head. It's just amazing. But he says, I want, I want to rule in your life. Call for my authority to come. Call for my sovereign power to come into your situation. Just ask me for it. That's what he's saying. I want you to, and, he, and he's, this is what blows me away. God's sitting in heaven, you know, I made a suggestion to you. Why don't you follow it? That is not the context. I commanded it. Why don't you follow it? Is the issue because this is in the imperative mood. I am telling you to ask me to come and rule. Well, I don't know if God will. Because somebody told me he just wants me to suffer all the time. God just, well, somebody told me, you know, you, you, can't have, you can't have money and God. No, it doesn't say that. It says you can't serve money and God. That doesn't mean you can't have money. And we take these phrases and we blanket all the people with it and they live in pauper's world because somebody abused the word prosperity in Scripture. I, 
I don't know about other preachers, but I know about myself. I have one thing in my heart before my Father, and that is this. Father, I want to say what your word says, and I don't want to compromise or alter what you said because somebody else abused it. I will walk in your truth because your truth is who you are, and your truth is what you expect to happen, and I want you happening. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He said, just tell them I am sent you. The, meaning, the basic meaning of I am is this, it's happening. Just tell them happening's coming. <laughs> if I come, something's gonna happen. <laughs> Amen. Like, he's not intimidated. He, he's not somehow thrown off balance because we can't accept things or we can't think, figure things out or we have so many different views. I don't know who I'm gonna talk to now. Here's what he said, talk to me. And this is how I want you to talk to me. When Pastor Daniel was talking about living a life of prayer. What it means is to be conscious of your father wherever you go. And to be aware that he's in heaven and there are eternal things available that can't change or fail. Kingdom. The rule and reign of the king. The word hallowed is, I'm, I'm going to give you a technical thing here because it's, it's important. The word hallowed, uh, <clears throat> it's in the aorist tense, which means a holiness without limits. The aorist tense means no boundaries. No boundaries to holiness and effectiveness. But it's also in the sense it has nothing to do with the past, the present, and the future. He wasn't holy or becoming holy or will be holy. He always has been holy. It's in the punctual state. I have always been set apart to what I have said, what I have envisioned, and what I have purposes, and what I have covenanted. I'm always set apart to that. Always. And then, he, and then he says, and I never change. I never change. So, I'll throw this one out there for you. Well, you know, tongues is not for today. Huh? Did God change? No. Did the Holy Spirit all of a sudden say, well, I'm not going to give out tongues anymore? No. He's eternal. He is an eternal being. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. It's stupidity to think that somehow my theology is altering who God is and what should be on earth. Like, that's ridiculous. He is totally set apart. The Holy Spirit is totally set apart to 
hear the Father's words and tell it to us and help it come to pass in our lives. Without fail, without any bias, without any preference, he's like that for everybody. And then the Roman church had to hear this verse. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit is totally set apart for your righteousness, your peace, and your joy. So when we say kingdom come, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and actually manifest Righteousness, peace, and joy in our hearts and make us to be that. I remember we were praying for this one young lady for healing. She was dying of cancer. And three times I sat down with her and I said, <clears throat> If Jesus sat here right at this table with us, what would he do for you? She would not answer me. She couldn't. She couldn't somehow relate to Jesus as her healer. Do you know why? It's a simple phrase. I don't know if it's his will. And yet when you read the scriptures, everybody who came to Jesus got healed. I asked her three times and her relatives tried to get her to say, he'd heal me and she would not say it. Because she's locked into this theology that it may not be the will of God and I might be asking something that's not his will. So God can't rule over cancer. Oh yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. By his stripes. Peter says, by his stripes, we were healed. It's a done deal. And, and so it just, just really disheartened me to, hear, to see her in this pain, and yet she couldn't say that he would heal me. Because everybody who came to Jesus in the Gospels, he healed them. Why did he do that? So that we realize if we come to him, he heals. So when we ask for the kingdom, this is, this is kind of like a, a big picture of it. When we ask for the kingdom... We ask for all who God is to come into existence, into our lives, wherever we are, whatever we need. We're asking for his sovereign rule to come and invade the situation. It's like the woman who followed him. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She didn't say, well, I'll touch it and if it's his will, I'll be healed. She didn't say that. The man with the child who was at home being thrown around by the evil spirits 
came to Jesus and explained. Jesus, Jesus says, go, it's done. He didn't say, well, I'll talk to the Father about it and see what the Father says. He didn't say that. Another scripture says this. It's God's good pleasure to give you his sovereign rule and authority. The kingdom. It's God's pleasure to give you his kingdom. I enjoy coming and looking after your situation. I enjoy when you expect me to come and actually do something about this problem. God's not sitting in heaven. Well, I don't know. Let me see. I'll go check my book and see if you're good enough. I'll go check my book and see if it's my will. It's almost like he can't think simultaneously. He's kind of categorized. Oh, let's see, healing. Yeah, just a minute. No, not for you. The, when, you when we pray this prayer for the kingdom to come, it doesn't mean, well, I don't know. No, no. He's saying, I, I'm commanding you to ask me to come and rule. It's like, wow. God's kingdom, God himself is the kingdom. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are active and waiting for us to obey his command. I'm commanding you to come and ask for my authority to come. Can you imagine if you said to your child, I'm commanding you to go over there and grab that Bible and bring it to me. But you know what? If you don't want to, it's okay. <laughs> that ain't no command. That's a command with a condition. God's command has no condition. I'm commanding you to ask for my sovereign power to come to your situation. I mean, that's, I think this prayer is so amazing and it's so powerful and it's so simple and it's so meaningful that it kind of erases all the theological arguments of everything that exists in humanity today. I mean, who do you believe? I believe what God the Father told me to pray is my reality because he said so. And he commanded me I'm commanding you to ask me to come and rule in your situation. So. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages 
teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of salvation only. You see, the gospel of salvation automatically invokes the rulership of God to come and save a soul and forgive. That's his sovereignty. That's his authority. That's his kingdom in motion. The kingdom of God is not bad news. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of his authority that wants to come into our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances, in our health, in our marriage, in our family, in our finances, in everything. His kingdom rules all, even our finances, folks. All. The gospel of the kingdom is not just the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of the power of God to forgive and to cause one to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. One to come to be the son of God in the authority of God. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And we've watered it down to just salvation. No, he comes to rule and to reign over sin, over failure, over disaster, whatever. He is the one who rules. And God is God because he's God. And what he says is absolutely true and what he will do. So Jesus goes about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and they wanted to kill him. And he said to them, the disciples, he says, I must be the proclaimer or the preacher or the announcer of the kingdom of God to other cities. Therefore, that's why I am sent. I have been sent to come and tell every, in every city the power and authority of God Almighty. And he sent them to preach whatever they wanted to. No. The disciples did not have a choice what they would preach. He said, I'm going to send you, and you need to preach the kingdom of God, not your own theology and your own philosophy or your own religiousness. They had a lot of it back then, just like today. I am telling you, as a disciple of mine, this is what you're going to say. This is who you're going to represent, and this is who I am, and this is what I expect from you. How many of us think like that? Come on. He didn't say go make Christians of all nations. He said go make disciples. So he sees you as a disciple and he sees you as one preaching the gospel of his authority and rulership. Not well, I don't know if it's his will. It's kind of clear. 
But he, but he said to him, allow the dead to bury the dead, their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. You see, here's the key to the kingdom. I, I, I got I to gotta quit or somebody's going to shut my mic off. Here's the key. The key is this. When he said, ask for my kingdom to come, he established in the Gospels what it looks like. And he revealed in the epistles what it actually means. And so, if, like in Romans, uh, the, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. If you take righteousness, peace, and joy out of there, it's that the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. And this is another thing that impresses my mind, if I may say so. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it's not my choice. God doesn't depend on my theology. I know there's basics to what we believe and we need to believe what we believe. I understand that. But when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit, I can only rely on who he is and what he said and where he is. He lives in the eternal state. He relates to a temporal world. And what he said can never change, can never die. And what he covenant can never ever fail. So he says to the disciples, he says, I want you to go and preach the kingdom. And I want you to raise the dead. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the leper. And that is in the imperative mood. I am commanding you to talk and preach my authority, the Father's authority and sovereignty and power over everything. And here's how you demonstrate it. You raise the dead, you heal the sick, you cleanse the leper. That's the, that's the manifestation of the kingdom of God. So in the prayer, what he's saying, I mean, the, the Father's really wise here because he puts the kingdom right in the middle of everything. Who he is and the needs, he puts the kingdom right there. And so there, were, there are people who actually believe what he said, confess what he says, and accept what he says, and confesses over their circumstances what he says and other people criticize him for it because that's not my doctrine well boo-hoo on the doctrine I, I just believe and I believe that what the father said and what he commanded is our reality and our responsibility not an option 
because I don't believe that. It's really too bad for some people that they can't believe what the Father says to be their reality because they have to reason it right out of the world. I don't know how to conclude this thing. I just keep babbling along. But, you know, I, I, just, I just really feel God wants to challenge us. I'm not here to challenge you. God is here to challenge you. I have nothing to do with challenging you. God has challenged us. Do you really believe what I said? Do you really take to heart what I've commanded? Do you really expect me to actually do what I said I would do? Do you actually believe that this prayer really means something to me? Or is it just a flowery thing? No, I think God is serious. He's not dead serious because he's alive. He's alive and very serious. And he is looking for people who actually believe what he said and expect what he said. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you that you instructed us how to communicate with you. And I believe, Father, that as you have commanded us to talk to you like this is because you expect that what you said would be our reality and it's your pleasure to do so. I just ask that you'd bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen.